0: Hi everybody in Podcast land and also on YouTube, I'm James I'm David I'm Riley And this is Carpool Critics Movie Podcast Today we're talking about 2000's Gladiator
1: Spoiler alert!
0: With Russell Crowe. Oh, my God, it's Russell (laughs) Crowe. Have you seen (laughs) that? Who says that? It's South Park. (laughs) It's an amazing older South Park episode. I think
1: I haven't watched a single entire South Park episode all the way through.
0: That's a mistake. David, what do you give this movie out of 10?
1: Gladiator is a truly epic symphony of inconsistencies
2: that confirms once and for all that Ridley Scott directs better movies than he has any right to make. 8.3.
0: 8.3. Wait, what the <laughs> heck? There's that's, That was loaded, dude. David always has these, <laughs> like... <laughs> loaded. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm always like, what are we going to talk about? And then <laughs> <laughs> you get blindsided by this guy. Yeah. Wait, what'd you give it? 8.3. Oh, okay. Strong.
1: A strong See, sometimes result. Sometimes your slogans make it sound like you're going to give it way worse. People like the negative
2: slogans. All right. Okay, I'll give a positive one. Gladiator. The yeah. epic man movie that
1: makes you cry. Me likey. <laughs> All right, Riley, what do you got? Barbarians, tigers, and emperors—oh my! Following the yellow-tinged road will lead you to one of the greatest historical epics ever made. If by historical you mean not (laughs) at all, but damn, if I wouldn't follow Russell Crowe circa the year 2000 into battle—eight out of ten, I would. (laughs) Commands respect.
0: (laughs) Yeah, good leader. Oh man. Gladiator is a well-acted, powerful mix of brutal action, thought-provoking philosophy, and just a dash of tasteful incest. 8.75 out of 10. Oh, Very man. tasteful. Almost, almost incest. You know, I never really understood, like, did they get it on in the past? It's a kid. It's no, no,
1: it, it? no. It's your
0: Lucius? kid. Lucius? No, 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 no. Lucius is not other kid. Is. Lucius is not, like, oh, it's sired by comedy. like a late husband oh, or something. Yeah, 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 I've been watching
2: too much Game of Thrones. <laughs>
0: I always, Honestly, I always I was, thought
1: it was way worse than I was that. asking myself that question the whole time, though. I was like, is this a mystery that they're going to reveal later? Yeah. Who's the kid? Like, why do we care about the kid? They keep talking about the fact that it, they mention his father or whatever, and there's all these weird stares with, like, both Commodus and Maximus. It's like, what's going on? And then, like, I looked up in the Wikipedia. It's like, oh, no. That's, no. I but, think originally that he was going to... They, did, they were going to put in the script that it's Maximus' kid, but... This might be going too too crazy, but Ridley Scott was like, "No, I don't want that." It is too much. Yeah, it's a little too much.
0: But even it wasn't clear to me. Did Commodus and his sister Lucilla is that her name? Yeah. Did they have a history of incest? Or because it ramps up at near the end of the movie, it ramps up, and he's like, he's kind of like climbing over her on the bed, and she's just kind of staring at the ceiling, like, "Please (laughs) end, please end." Play with me,
2: sister. And and earlier, (laughs) he's like, "Oh, I want to like love you tonight," and she's like, "Not
0: tonight." And I he wanna also, love you. He uses the word "still," like I still. Yeah, there's something. It's definitely implied. I don't know yeah. if it's happened. No, no, yet. no. It
1: hasn't happened. He's he's just being super creepy, and she's like, I think he's become emboldened by being the emperor, and now he thinks that because he has all this power, he's he has the right to this. Guys, I would love to stick
2: on incest for a long time, but I think we should get to our sponsor first. Yeah, <sighs> you're right. Good about idea. That.
0: Uh, Not related at all. We're brought to you by Private Internet Access VPN. PIA helps you hide your true IP address so that you can bypass geo-restrictions and censorship. You can connect up to five devices at once, and it includes an internet kill switch. if your VPN gets disconnected involuntarily. PIA is available for Windows, Mac, Android, iOS, and even as a goddamn Chrome extension, Lauren. So Woo. check it out at lmg.gg slash carpool PIA.
1: Did that sound, did you get, did that was you get great. the feeling of it?
0: Did you like the call out to Lauren? <laughs> I almost feel like I should have, like Karen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, she was uh, she was very greatly pleased by the call out the last time.
0: This pleases like, Lauren. Ooh, <laughs> this pleases me. If I can titillate Lauren, then I've had a good day. You st-
1: don't titillate my wife. <laughs> you stay the hell away, Lauren. Turn this off.
2: <laughs> well, what happens in this movie, Riley?
1: Oh, I'll tell you. Oh yeah, that part. In <laughs> in 180 A.D., Maximus is general of Rome's armies under Emperor Dumbledore. I mean Marcus Aurelius. Wait, is that the same actor? It's the same so, actor, Richard the Harris, two, yeah. The, as the f- first original. The yeah. first
0: Dumbledore. Continue, please.
1: Seeking to restore Rome to its roots as a democratic republic, the stoic emperor chooses Maximus as his successor over his own son Commodus, but doesn't tell anyone except those two guys. This guy's supposed to be a master tactician. Ha. <sighs> Commodus kills his father, assumes the throne, arrests Maximus, and orders his death. Except Maximus escapes because he's a badass, and he can hold on to a sword with his hands. <laughs> with his bare the hands. Blades. Hey, that's worth
0: it. Oh, we'll get back awesome. to that. We'll get back to that.
1: Maximus returns home to find his wife and son murdered by stormtroopers. I mean, the Praetorian Guard. Wounded—I'm getting confused with the franchises here. Wounded and exhausted, Maximus is captured and sold as a slave to gladiator trainer Proximo, who oversees his wild success in the arena, because as we've said, the dude is good with pointy things. Maximus is taken to the Colosseum, becoming a favorite of the people by openly defying the young emperor, and gets involved in a plot to overthrow Commodus and restore power to the Senate. But Commodus learns of the plot, captures Maximus during his escape attempt, and fights him in the Colosseum after weakening Maximus with a good old stab in the back beforehand. But Maximus still manages to kill Commodus before he succumbs to his wounds, freeing Rome from tyranny so it can become a republic once again. Except that didn't happen. Just like almost everything in this movie, but we'll talk about that. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) That doesn't bother me at all. No? Not really. I mean, it doesn't really bother me either, but it was kind of funny when I was doing some research on this movie and it, and the Wikipedia entries like, Ridley Scott hired all these historians because he wanted to portray Rome in like an authentic way. And uh, and then they
2: all quit or <laughs> refuse to be credited on the movie because <laughs> it's so inaccurate. Wait, did they? Yeah.
1: What? Is that real? <laughs> yeah. oh, I didn't get to that oh,
2: part. Oh, I thought you were being cheeky. No, no, no. That's for real.
1: It's oh, no. Yeah, I,
2: I agree with you where if a movie's good, it doesn't have to be 100% accurate to the source, but I think this movie goes a step beyond and like think that it takes the the things that happened in history and actually gets the absolute wrong conclusion like when Commodus dies that was the start of the end of yeah. the Roman Empire yeah and in this that's like the beginning of the glory of the Roman right, Empire right.
1: it was kind of funny it's like no it it's- makes a great story though it's it's rousing
2: Totally You know I The only that, that didn't bother me that much before The only thing that bothered me Is the Is Marcus Aurelius being like I conquered all this and I'm like <laughs> you conquered nothing dude Did you
1: watch Wait Did you watch the what? Did you, you said film buffs last time Did you watch the film buffs thing on this Maybe Probably I watched that one And that one was like He, he stopped at that moment And he's oh, like yeah. You didn't do that <laughs> Because it's like it was like four hundred years of conquering or whatever, and then like Marcus Re- they're saying he like expanded the border all himself,
2: yeah. but I think the movie immediately steps away from history so that it's just using the iconography of Roman images and people right. and names and it's it's telling it a good story within that context. so it's fine,
1: and we gotta say it did such a good job that it kind of like sparked this whole wave of similar sort of historical epics
0: in Hollywood. Is that called the Gladiator effect?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it Did might you be. ask me that because you knew it was true?
0: <laughs> no, I, I thought the gladiator effect was a different thing at first. I thought it was that stupid crushed frame rates thing that oh, looks awful in this movie.
1: Oh, we'll talk about that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a, But yeah, it's... like Alexander, Troy, Kingdom of Heaven. These are all kind of like movies that sort of have a similar feel. I think totally. they tried to recapture the glory of this movie because it is glorious. And like, it won
0: Best Picture and Best Actor.
1: Yeah? I didn't even know that. I believe so. Well, I just know that it made me feel great as a child watching it. Man, as a young boy, like, Maximus gets you going. It's like strength and honor. All of the, there's so many good quotes in this. Totally, but
0: when I was a kid watching it, it was just like, I'm asleep and we're in the arena, arena again. <laughs> what? And I'm asleep again. <laughs> what are you talking about? I had the whole like dichotomy about like should this be a republic or an empire? Sh- authoritarian oh. like, an authoritarian state versus a democracy yeah. was just like woof, when I was a kid. Oh, I didn't man. even know that plot was in there. That see, still puts me to sleep. See,
1: that's kind of funny because like I don't think I understood what they were talking about. Like I don't think when I the first time I saw this when I was like 12 or whatever, I around then. I don't, I didn't, I definitely didn't get the dichotomy between like, oh, Democratic Senate versus dictatorship. Like I didn't get that, but I just saw like badass looking guys in army tents, you know, discussing things that seemed like high minded ideas. And I was like, yeah, this is good. (laughs) I think my problem, my
2: problem is, is that all the dialogue scenes where they're talking about the philosophy and the politics of it, it's not that well written or well done. Mm. It's very Mm. basic. Like it's. If uh, the prequel politics is like a four, this is like a six. It's written better. <laughs> like yeah. the, pre- Star prequel the Star Wars prequels? The Star Wars prequels.
1: Well, I think this is just simpler. It's very the Star simple. Star Wars prequels actually like are like, oh, we need to ratify this bill and it has totally. to pass it, through this council <laughs> in order to get to And up. that's not good. I'm not trying
2: to defend that. But this even the way it's shot is really simple. Like the blocking in these scenes are really basic. It's usually two people sitting, talking to each other. Mm-hmm. There might be someone that turns away when they don't like what they hear and they turn back, or they walk towards the person as their intensity is ramping up, but it's never like They're doing other things or they're like telling a visual story with the blocking. It's very basic.
1: Yeah, I kind of got that feeling as well. There's not really a moment or moments in this movie where the visual nature of it makes you go, whoa. It's all kind of
0: like the writing and the acting. What? You don't think the visuals are inspiring it? Ever? Uh, like, when you see the Coliseum, I didn't know men could build such things. I mean, but... The, yeah, like but his, it's, it's, the, not
1: like a, it's not like a mind-blowing shot. It's just kind of like looking up at the Coliseum, you know?
0: Like, uh, I, it all looks really good. some I nice think, shots. I like, think the, his the, farm and, like, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the fields. They're
1: great. Yeah, they're nice. The, I think the production design is spot on. Like, everything looks really good. And you do feel, like... Like you have been transported back to Rome here, you know. Like as as many historical inconsistencies as there are, everything looks really good. This movie was one of the first things that made me really think about Rome as a civilization or a society similar to ours. Because I think you you think about you you read about ancient Greece and you learn about all these like ancient cultures in school or whatever, and you're just kind of like, it's all very abstract. And you're like, okay, I I guess they lived in huts or something. I don't know. But seeing this is like. Whoa, Rome was like America. (laughs) Like, they had cities and big, giant, you know, infrastructure. Especially
0: that scene where there's... Someone's in, like, a marketplace, and then there's, like, a a political comedy happening. Yeah, There's, like, a show happening where people are dressed up as caricatures of Commodus and Maximus the Gladiator. And they're, like, making fun of Commodus. Right. It's like, would they just die, or do they have, like, a free society where they could... They no, could have political commentary like thing. that.
1: It, it brings you really into this it. This the Colbert you, Report. <laughs> <laughs> they had the Colbert Report. Yeah. So it really brings you into it and, and makes it more real to you. You're like, whoa, I, I kind of get a feel for what it would actually be like to live in the Roman Empire. I like,
0: would agree with you, though, that uh, the sets and everything were awesome and very Roman. Yeah. But the, the filming style mm. was kind of really modern. I don't know what it is about the Scott brothers. They love their Zooms. Yeah. The, Scott, wait. Like Ridley Scott and Tony Scott. They, oh, they I don't just... even.
1: i have, uh, Who's Tony Scott? Is are they brothers? Are they brothers? Or are yeah. they cousins? I
0: think they're brothers. What did he do? Cinematography? I choose them as brothers. Tony Scott's done a ton of movies, man. Top Gun. Like Unstoppable. I have never heard his name before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, True a, a lot of Denzel movies, like five Denzel movies. I'm
1: not a real to- uh, uh, carpool critic.
0: They're the real Carpenter. Domino, Keira Knightley. Wait, is it Keira Knightley or the one that looks like her? Now the portman. It's Keira Knightley. Knightley. Sounds like he's done a lot of movies
1: where I wouldn't really think about the director. Should we finish the cinematography point? Yeah, I'm talking about the zooms. One second.
0: (laughs) Some of the zooms are almost awkward where like the camera is already still and then halfway through the shot it decides it's going to zoom and you're like, whoa, you you don't really see that anymore.
1: That's funny because the only note I have about the cinematography in this movie is the uh, near the end of the movie when Maximus and Commodus are rising up on that platform f- to, to have their fight in the Coliseum and the cameras looking up at them ascending on this platform or whatever and it does a zoom out as it's kind of tracking up with them and then the zoom stops and the, the tracking continues. And I was like, what? Why th- wouldn't they why wouldn't they plan that so they didn't have to stop the zoom? Usually there's
0: like a cut on the like
1: Usually they cut before the zoom reaches its what? zenith. Zenith. zenith, nadir. We don't Ornidier. use the,
0: Yeah, it's like in modern filmmaking we we either we cut to a shot and it's like already zooming and we cut away before it finishes zooming. Well
1: for me it really breaks the immersion. It makes it it makes me think about oh they're using a zoom lens and that's where it stops. It depends. Sometimes you want to edit
2: motion to emotion and sometimes you want a motion to stop and then you can cut to a stop motion into a motion but it are doesn't... you saying a motion or are you saying e motion a uh, motion okay a uh, motion um but to me that's indicative that ridley scott didn't have this movie pre-edited in his brain in the way that most directors do most directors mm. when they storyboard they have the pacing they have like the movement they have everything figured out so that like once they have the shots it's so easy not easy but it it all falls into place and with this movie i get a sense he really didn't have that i yeah. think this movie is good not because of him, but despite him. Oh,
1: dang. And dude. I, I
2: wanna get more into my gripes with Ridley Scott later. Okay. But I think there's a lot of clues in this movie that that indicate that he didn't really have that vision.
0: Uh, and I think that's a really good example of that. That can be a style, though. Like, I know with Tony Scott in particular, like, like some people just, instead of having it all planned out like that, they just wanna see what the actors bring that day and then capture all the ephemera that ha- just happened on set. I think, though. Like, there's stuff where there's unnecessary slow motion, and there's stuff where it looks intentional, but there's Mm. a
2: lot of Joaquin Phoenix in particular reaction shots that I get the sense that his reaction wasn't quite long enough that they needed to stretch it out for the emotional beat to to work. Uh, Like, right when he steps out of his chariot the first time and he looks out, there's slow motion. There's no reason for it to be slow motion, but Uh, he steps out.
1: When you say slow motion, do you mean slow motion or do you mean like slower frame rate? Slower frame rate. Okay. Uh,
2: And it's like, Could be and if it was slow motion where they'd shot it like for a higher frame rate and it was smooth, it'd be fine. But to me, that indicates that like he didn't plan on that being slow motion, but he didn't get the shot
0: quite right.
1: Yeah, that's when it seems weird.
0: Yeah, Uh, I don't know if I agree though, because I think that the way they did that kind of that slow motion, like air quote slow motion in this movie, it's similar to that saving private Ryan kind of slow motion. But its thing looks awful. But the way that they got it though was running the camera at double speed and then removing every other frame. So that would take some forethought. For some of it, but wait. there's some of it that's not necessarily that. Like there's okay. there,
2: there's stuff. I think the battle stuff that's for sure intentional. They I think do that in
0: the battles yeah. because no, it has this weird effect of it being simultaneously like it's, uh, it's kind of slow motion, but also it seems like things are happening fast. Okay, like wait. I passing. thought this.
1: Was, I thought this was unintentional as well, but that bit in the battle scene where it goes to that slow mo the slower oh, the high frame shutter rate
2: speed and it's every all things streaky It was and stuff?
1: unintentional because they the shooting that day went into the early evening and they uh. they had less light so they had to shoot with a lower shutter speeds lower frame rate yeah, it's and distracting. so they they did that and then in post they actually added some extra frames so it wasn't as choppy so that was unintentional,
0: which well, is
2: really weird. Why do not we talk about well that. to me. Yeah, why don't we talk about that battle? Because I actually don't think it's that good. You're talking about the beginning battle. The beginning battle. I think that it's like kind of a mess. It's kind of mm. hard to follow. There's a lot of shots that are really similar of like him swinging a sword one way, go two other shots, and then him swinging the sword the same way. Yeah. And I found it like... I had just watched, rewatched Lord of the Rings, and that does such a better job of like, okay, we're like, we're going into this battle, we're like building up this intensity-stating Private Ryan 2, and then we're getting like crazy cut, crazy cut, crazy cut, close-ups of swords, and then we get back into kind of slowing down on the emotion of it, and this was just like five minutes of like action, stuff See, happening, no personal side Well, to there
0: Well, there was a bit of narrative there, like- it was meant to d- demonstrate his competence, right? right? Some of the first swordplay we see for him, like he kicks some ass, then he falls off his horse, and from his back, lying on the ground, he kills two other dudes. And you're like, okay, this guy yeah, kicks extreme he's ass. He's awesome.
1: And he leads his own men into battle, even though he's the general of like that whole army. Um, I think I totally agree with you that when once they actually get into the thick of the battle, it's really disorienting. And I was mm. kind of like, this is annoying. I want to see the cool stuff. But Lord of the Rings in particular, I think Lord of the Rings like prioritizes seeing how cool this battle is like you want to see all the soldiers and their cool moves you want to see aragorn being a badass i think the the objective in this movie and in saving private ryan is like to put you into the moment and like show you how horrible war is totally but i didn't get that sense from this i didn't get the sense Mm -hmm. that it was
2: that bad and i think like even comparing it to game of thrones season six the battle of the bastards where it's much more of an abstract battle there's very clear images but there's a lot of moments where it's just like flash 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 to give you an evocative feeling of like i can't breathe i'm getting crushed under all these people and i it found that the ideas presented in that battle are much more clear than this i was unsure of how to feel for long portions in this battle i'm like yeah there's swords there's arrows there's
1: siege weapons in the forest why do they have siege weapons in the forest (laughs) yeah they shouldn't have had uh, ballistas or catapults in the forest but I know I totally agree with you. I would have I would have liked something in between this and and Lord of the Rings where it's like it's a little more clear to see what's going on. I the other thing, I said that this movie like made me understand the uh, what it would be like to re- live in the Roman Empire and this this battle scene in particular also makes it a lot more real to me because I think that when you see these kind of like medieval battles or whatever, it's always in this like open field or like, you know, in a city or something. And this was just like in a forest that straight up looked straight up like out of World War 2. It just happens to be the front. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Whoa, this this feels like a World War 2 battle scene, but they all have swords." So I, I don't know, I really appreciated that because it, it grounded it again yeah. for me in that way. Did
2: you guys know that that uh, forest was marked, that uh, area was marked for deforestation
0: and so they actually burned that forest down? Right. <laughs> oh, that's bad. <badass. laughs> yeah. I didn't know cool. that. That's sweet. Yeah. Uh, I read that um, the barbarians, the Germanic people that they're fighting there, are kind of, like, uh, not represented well because they shouldn't just be wearing pelts of fur. They had lived next to the Romans for decades, and right. the soldiers would probably be similarly equipped. Hmm. Right. But they whatever, just, I like, like that gi- giant German guy yelling while holding up that head. That's actually the
1: first...
0: <laughs> you get the first clue of how gory the movie's going to be. Like, right away, that, that um, messenger on horseback just arrives with yeah, no, head. no head, and then Buddy's holding it up, like... Heads up! I love that. This movie's gory. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: and Quintus says people should know when they're conquered or something. Quintus, idiot! We'll talk about that Yeah,
2: <laughs> I, I found it, it was really interesting in the first part of this movie because I was like, this is so long and drawn out, and I'm like, man, like the the density of information is really low. But then they do these really brilliant things where, like, with one shot or like six seconds of film, they convey a lot of information. Like at the end of the war, they have their party. Uh, and like when everyone's kinda like, oh, we're done, you see a shot of Joaquin Phoenix training with soldiers. Mm-hmm. And that shot is so smart for like communicating many things. First, it communicates he's pretty sweet at fighting, so yeah. get ready for that. But it also communicates he's so selfish because like these soldiers do not want to train right now. They do not want to battle, but he's like, I'm the emperor, I'll do what I want. And it like kinda gives you this bratty sense while also giving the information to be a badass.
1: And like it does a lot of stuff like that. It was also weird for him to be training. After the battle, totally. what, what are you training for? Yeah, just for fun. He, it's all for appearance, yeah. and I yeah. think that
0: like it's like a four second shot, but it, it accomplishes all these purposes. They do a bunch of stuff like that totally. even earlier than that, the very beginning where they're setting up Maximus. Uh, he's having this kind of, it's almost like a premonition of the the fields, his farm where he lives, mm-hmm. which also is Elysium, the fields of Elysium, their heaven. Right. It, it kind of has parallels to that, so you don't really know if he's like remembering his house or like it's a premonition of him being dead, but. Anyway, you know that he doesn't want to be in battle. He just—he sucks. So the
1: entire like first scene is him just being like, "I just want to go home, please." Yeah. Please he's a—he is the
0: definition of a reluctant hero. Yeah. And then it goes from that to he kind of goes, oh, "Oh, I'm here on the battlefield. Shit, I don't want to be here, but here I am." And then he looks up and there's this little bird, and for a second, the bird takes his attention, mm. and he looks at it, and then it flies away, and you're like, "What was that about?" And it all it is is, uh, he, you know, he's a nice guy. He has a good heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's a moral guy. Yeah, and yeah. I
1: think that stuff also just kind of serves to bring you into the moment. Totally. Like, just, like, take a second and take it in your surroundings.
2: I think that's the true strength of this movie is the characters. Uh, like, all those moments with him. Like, when he's first getting captured by the other guards, and he, like, looks at a squire who has a sword, and he's like, don't do it. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, okay, he's a good leader. He's not asking him to sacrifice. Uh, and, like, it, I think Maximus is one of the most sympathetic heroes out there. Totally. Because, like, you... I don't think I empathize that much with him. I'm not like feeling what he's feeling, but I feel bad for the dude. Mm. Dude had a hard go of it.
1: I think I, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I don't think you can empathize with him unless you've been through something similar, (laughs) I guess. But, but I think I sympathize with his motivations. Like he just wants to be a good guy. Like we have this scene, um, with Marcus Aurelius and Commodus that kind of lays out the difference between, uh, People like Maximus and and Marcus Aurelius and people like Commodus in terms of virtues. Commodus says, you know, you said, you you told me about the the four chief virtues. I'm going to say them because I wrote them down. Wisdom, justice, fortitude, temperance. And he's like, oh, I don't have any of those. But you know what I do have? I have my own virtues, ambition, resourcefulness, courage, devotion. And it's just like, okay, we're laying out exactly what what is the difference between these people? Maximus is driven by virtue, and he's driven by like a singular purpose. His singular purpose was to get home to his wife, and now his wife and son are dead, and now his singular purpose is vengeance. And you could talk about whether that's a virtue or not. but uh, I don't
0: even think his purpose is vengeance. For all for the majority of the movie takes about what hour, hour sixteen before it becomes vengeance. We should talk about that in a bit. Hour I'll, sixteen. Let's get back to that later because I like what you're talking about now. Did you guys have? Are, are you familiar with the the meditations, the Marcus Aurelius? Yeah, uh, diary? stoic philosophy, dude. Do you have that book? I don't it's, have it. It's great for your bathroom. It's it's epic, man. And I think right. I haven't read the whole thing but I think that the virtues that they're reading out there probably are in that book.
1: Oh, no, for sure. For it's sure.
0: baddest. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, it's like a 2,000-year-old diary from Marcus, the real Marcus Aurelius who was like considered the last philosopher king. Mm. And while he was on the battlefront like this at night he would just like pen down these little things he thought of and they're really cool and, and actually kind of motivational it's pretty yeah. sweet it's a good read well yeah. cause
1: stoic philosophy is all basically about like controlling yourself and you know just, just dealing with the, the suffering of life and just you know just, just fucking deal with it dude you know like life sucks so so be good <laughs> be a I like good person
0: I like their portrayal I feel like they captured Marcus Aurelius well I like his I, dialogue is kind of I, philosophical yeah I mean like
1: I haven't read Marcus Aurelius as I said, so so I don't I don't know. But I will say that he kind of annoyed me in this movie. Hmm. Like I respect, he's clearly a man that deserves respect, right? But he says to Commodus himself, he's like, "Your faults as a son is my failure as a father." And I was like, "Damn right, Marcus, you done raised a brat. You raised a trust fund idiot who now is like murderous." Like he was busy, okay? Well, yeah, you <laughs> put his. So- so bring him with him. I mean, and this is the funny thing that in reality, Commodus was, from all accounts, he was this kind of like bratty trust fund kid. But he did spend a lot of time with his dad, at least. And this one, I, I'm like, why didn't you make your son kind of like get more into this? He like it seems like he kind of let him do that because he had Maximus.
0: Well, he had his daughter, and I think he put more energy into her. Well, and as he said, too
1: bad she wasn't a male. But the, Big fact, mistake, the, Marcus. the
0: fact that he has Lucilla, who is awesome, yep. and he has Commodus, who isn't, you know, there's a nurture versus nature thing here where it's almost kind of like very humble uh, and generous for Marcus Aurelius to say that uh, Commodus's shortcomings are his responsibility. Because maybe maybe they're not. Maybe he's just kind of shitty. Yeah, you,
1: yeah, that's true. We, they don't really get into whether that's absolutely true or not. That's fair, I guess. But I, I, I imagined that... It is true, because that makes Commodus more of like a sympathetic villain. It makes him more realistic, where it's like, okay, he wasn't just born evil. Like Marcus Aurelius says to Maximus at some point, Commodus is not a moral man. And it's like, are you saying that he's just like inherently not moral? Or are you just saying that like, whoops, he turned out to be not moral because I'm an idiot. No, I, Screw Marcus Aurelius. I hate that guy. No, no, that kind of stuff is nurture, but not nature.
0: Yeah, you're born with that, those personality traits, I oh. believe.
1: Oh, you're saying it's nature. Yeah. Oh dang. Joaquin dude. Phoenix
2: is one of the best actors of all time. He stole the show. He's on this. So good. this is I think his first big role. With signs before? No. Wow, it was after.
0: Yeah. This this the ones before this were the yards and eight millimeter. Oh. I haven't seen the yards, but an eight millimeter he's like a barely a side character. Yeah, apparently here. the whole
2: time Ridley Scott wanted Joaquin Phoenix, that was his
0: first oh, yeah. choice. And That
2: was a great first choice. I wonder
1: wonder how how he knew about him. Joaquin Phoenix was all like nervous, acting with Russell Crowe and Richard Harris, who played Marcus Aurelius. Now he wouldn't be. And he's like, he asked, he asked Russell Crowe to like rough him up, to like like kind of play fight with him or whatever to get him all stoked or psyched up to like be on camera. And then Russell Crowe said to Richard Harris, he's like, "This kid's so weird, man. What are we gonna do?" And Richard Harris (laughs) is like. Let's get him drunk. So he, he like, they drank a bunch and then he was like, calm down. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I think he's a great
2: character. I don't think he's, I wouldn't call him sympathetic, but you understand him. He doesn't feel yeah. like he's indecipherable. Yeah. You I hate think it, him. Oh, you hate but, him. So but much.
0: I actually do sympathize with him for an uh, an instant. And that is at the time that you're describing, Riley, where he says, he's almost crying, I have other virtues. Yeah. Ambition, <laughs> courage. Well, yeah. And, that,
1: and in that scene as well, he's just like, what? You could have just given me a hug. Also one of the one of the writing flubs that I don't think was he could have said embrace. He was like of a one full hug is what he oh. said. If, <laughs> if you could just give me one full I'm like one full embrace. Just say embrace. Mm-hmm. It sounds way better. And the sun would have shone on my heart for <laughs> yeah. a thousand years. Exactly. That moment kind of like makes it more real of a character. When I said sympathetic, I don't mean like you you guys know what I mean. Totally. It just it seems more realistic yeah. that somebody would turn out that way.
2: Yeah, he's he has redeemable Features or at least like you can understand a little bit about him. What do you guys think of that moment near the beginning when uh, Commodus and Marcus are talking and the first thing Marcus Aurelius says, he's like, you're not going to be emperor. What? (laughs) I I found that scene really weird. Uh, Just near the beginning when they're in Marcus Aurelius's tent and he's like, he's like, are you ready for your new job?
1: Who says this? Marcus
2: Aurelius to Commodus. He's like, are you ready for your responsibilities? Oh yeah. Maquin's like, yes, I'm so ready. Just kidding, you're not emperor. Oh, you will not <laughs> Is that be emperor. I, 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 I found that like writing that. so weird. That yeah. didn't jar me at all. Oh, really? So, yeah, it was I fine. think I I wish that scene was a little bit different. I wish there was like a bit of tension because we know as the audience that Joaquin Phoenix isn't gonna be right. uh, the emperor. But then they like kind of like unload that cannon right away. And I I don't think they pay it off until like seven more beats into the scene and I think it they could have rejiggered that moment yeah. a little bit more to have more tension more release something yes, and this movie's only, long
1: enough and not only that but he, he tells him he's not gonna be emperor and then he reacts badly and then he's like you're not happy with my decision <laughs> <laughs> like, oh uh, no, idiot! Yeah, maybe it's, it's be, maybe it's bit. because I just had a kid, but I'm like, and I'm thinking about fatherhood or something. But I'm like, you're doing it wrong, yeah. Mister Aurelius. I found there's a lot of like unintentional funny moments in
2: this movie. Like, uh, some of them are like just me being paying too close attention. But like one scene in the uh, the the gladiator fight when Russell Crowe like shield bashes someone, you can just see there's like a bucket of blood thrown in front <laughs> of the lens, and I was like, okay, this is funny. Or like when the 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 gladiator that's the female gladiator. Nice. Which there actually were. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Um, Roman was so this somewhat is the char- egalitarian. Is that the really? chariot scene? Yeah. Apparently, they were only used in, like, really lavish fights. So, it actually really works in that scene. It's, they did their, their <laughs> This is a special one. one. Uh, Let's put in the women. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> when she's like, ah, and lifts her hands and get cut, oh. cut in half. It's like a comedy moment. It's yeah. so
0: funny. I think it's comedic. Just be- Why did her hands have to go up?
2: Yeah. And the other one that really got me is when... Uh, Prompto, what's the the proximo? Ex- proximo. That's his name. Prompto's <laughs> Prompto. Final Fantasy fifteen. I'm sorry.
1: I, love, I live for David's like Flubs. almost getting names right. <laughs> sorry, continue. So his, I like the way he pronounces Joaquin. <laughs> Joaquin, isn't it,
2: like Joaquin. That, is it jo- Joaquin? No, Phoenix. But that actor, there's a moment after he has like kind of a breakthrough moment with Russell Crowe, where he like looks at the sun and he's like. Ah. And he, like, lifts his hands, and it's so weird. And I, it's one of those moments where I'm like, Ridley Scott's not that good of a director because he had a vision for what he wanted that scene to look like, but he couldn't get the, like, right performance out of the actor. And it was so, I just laughed.
1: Say, so, okay, wait. Ridley, he, he did Blade Runner? Oh, We'll
2: talk about He did
1: the, the first whole blade, blade Runner, but Alien. the second one was the best one because it was Denny Vanivadove. Yes. Ah. But we'll talk about the
2: scorecards later. Gotcha. But yeah, and then like the, even the punch sound effects in this movie are so cheesy. They're well, some like Mortal Kombat. Some
1: of that stuff I feel like we have to forgive because it's 2000. It's the year. It's That's 20 fair. years ago. It's now. weird,
0: man. On the one hand, the fight scenes are kind of what attracted a lot of people to this movie. Like yeah. some of the helmets are really cool. Yeah, like there's some good stuff. oh man, there's tigers here suddenly. It's right. insane. But on the other hand, I felt like the fight scenes kind of suck. What? Really? Because I was thinking, I was thinking, I was thinking they held up really well. There's a lot of times where I'm like, "Who's where?" Right now, who's, it was definitely it was who's definitely, hitting who. I, yeah. I wasn't that invested. If in I them.
1: had a if I had a criticism of the fight scenes, it would be that it's that they're a little disorienting, and you're like, "Wait, who's where? Who, who's chained to who?" In this scenario, that the tigers are uh, the, how does a chain thing work? Yeah. I only really got how the chain thing works with the tigers when it cut to a wide shot after the whole thing was over, and it showed the guys like pulling on it. I was like, "Oh." I thought the tigers were just kind of yeah. in there.
0: Yeah, the, <laughs> they're they're being held back, yeah. and the people holding them back are giving preferential treatment to not Maximus. They're releasing the chain so that it can get right. It can attack no, Maximus. but I didn't even
1: understand that the chain went through the loop in the ground. You know, it was pretty obvious when you when you think about <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> but this—it's disorienting, you know. Tigris of uh, Gaul is—you know—he's got the crazy helmet. It's very—you know—you know, it's I, I you know it's what? I don't blame you though.
0: I think even though that you can explain in retrospect, and it seems obvious, and you feel like an idiot right now, yeah. and you are an idiot—that well, happens all the time. It's still a valid complaint. It's like if you're reading something and it confuses you, and then the author goes, no, look, it's all there on the page. Look right. that. I say it right there. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter that it's on the page right. or on the screen because you didn't communicate it totally. sufficiently you for gotta, it to be clear the first time. You
1: gotta listen to the idiots.
0: Yes. They our, matter.
1: Our perspective is important.
0: And
2: valid. As a people. But then... There's lots of you. I feel like that that's a good scene to break down a little bit because I, I find this whole movie is like going between like really bad and really good constantly. Mm. And like that fight's like, okay, whatever. But then... At the end, when he gets the upper hand, the guy's on the ground. He's been stabbed or whatever. He's been stabbed in the foot. And the crowd's cheering like, kill him, kill him. Yeah. And Joaquin's like, I'm going to do whatever the crowd wants. Thumb <laughs> down. Like
1: Joaquin. Yeah. How uh-huh. do I say
2: his name? Commodus.
1: Wa- wa- well, yeah, I would <laughs> call Joaquin. him Commodus, not Joaquin. <laughs> Joaquin. <laughs> Anyways,
0: continue. Uh,
2: and he—he's he, the—he, although he's the emperor, he feels like he has to do what the crowd wants. But Maximus refuses he's like no fuck this yeah and that's such a good moment of leadership and the crowd instantly turns because yep. that's what they don't want senseless death they want like a leader yep. and i
0: love that moment and they just so go much maximus the merciful yeah they just love him so good they want whatever this guy does line. is cool
1: yeah, yeah. Well, especially and you see that too in the in the early arena when he's not in the coliseum yet and he just like he goes through the he cuts through those guys like butter kills them super fast and then it's like, oh, we came here for a big spectacle, and it's over in like ten seconds. And he's like, "Are you not entertained?" Oh, the so great moment. And he's like, "Is this not what you came here to see?" Blah, blah blah. And the fact that he's so defiant, they're like, "Oh yeah, we like that." You know, the, like,
0: that's when he throws his gladius at the yeah. at the booth oh, there, right? His gladius. Nice. That's sweet. That's
1: what the swords I ca- are called. Love it. Yeah, and they were actually accurate. They were one of the accurate things in this movie. Something that wasn't accurate is the thumbs opposite, opposite, opposite. Oh, really? The thumbs down means they would live? put their thumbs up to indicate uh, sheath your sword, or no, no, that's down is sheath. Down would she? Down would be like sheath your sword, as in spare him, and up would be like use the sword. To I think kill did they not have thumbs up back then? No, it wasn't like a no. Positive it was thing. thumbs
0: up and thumbs down. No, but, not, but like outside of the Coliseum they weren't like, hey, good job. No. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish the they earliest uh, hand gesture I want to know the origin of yeah. the thumb. Now.
2: Man, I think this movie has amazing CG except for the Colosseum itself. The actual building of the Colosseum is like looks like it's a glossy piece of plastic. You really? mean on the, like the establishing shots like yeah. the reveals oh, of it. Man. I feel like they didn't have the shader for stone quite right and I found it was just a little too reflective. I didn't uh, notice. Oh, well you will notice now. Thank you.
1: See that's <laughs> uh, one of my one of my notes was that it looked really good. I think
2: ninety nine percent of the CG in this movie looks awesome. It does not age badly. Did you know that Proximo, yep. died early. Oliver and they had, Reed, he died before they finished filming, so they had to CG a face on him.
0: Yeah, yeah, wow. double with face? I had no really? idea. Okay, honestly, so I didn't notice any CG in this movie. My
1: problem was that I read that beforehand, uh, and I had heard that at some point. But like when it came in the movie, I was like, oh, there is it, it is. just the end when Super he releases obvious. them? It's when he's releasing them from the cell. It's super obvious because the cu- the lighting's completely different. And then at the end when they when they go to kill him and he's like, Shadows and dust.
0: <laughs> what is that was it a weird scene? With that guy where I just checked out his IMDB. He's in like a ton of old black and white stuff. Yeah. I've never seen any of it. But the second he appeared on screen, I was like, Oh, well, this guy looks famous. <laughs> this <laughs> guy a, looks like a big actor. He's got
1: an intriguing look. Yeah. He's like striking. one of the, he's got one of those faces where you're like, Ooh, have I seen you before? It's like Logan Marshall Green. We talked about that, a lot. Guy, that oh, like Hardy? Hardy guy that looks yeah. like Tom Hardy? That oh, guy that looks like
0: Tom Hardy? Ed Hardy, <laughs> yeah. the designer. What's up with the uh, like the ramp up from like all right, your first gladiator fight getting established? Ah, new situation. Then the second one, and then finally the third fight is about the midpoint of the movie, an hour and a half in, and that's at that point he's already in Rome. I think three three coliseum fights uh, to get to that level is the correct number, but it's pretty funny in the second one where he's already like kicking quite a bit of ass. And it's, I think it's, like, him against a bunch of people. And it's, like, conveniently, they all attack me one at a time. Oh, yeah. And he just takes them down one, boom. Oh, in
1: boom. the Coliseum when they get there?
0: No, 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 earlier.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw in that, there was a little bit of waiting your turn in that, that
0: scene. That happens in every movie. Yeah. I think that actually could reflect real life, depending on who you're fighting. I mean, it's pretty obvious, like let's just all run at this guy he'll be dead for sure yeah, I think I think it was him.
1: pretty obvious in that scene as well that those guys were not trained well like I think I think that the fact that he's just like cutting through him no problem is indicative is indicative of the fact that he you know he's a he's a Roman general he's like the top combat guy in the country or the empire or whatever these guys are just probably just dudes who've got ...sold into slavery because they didn't pay their debts or something.
0: I don't know. I, I got the sense that the home field advantage, like the defenders, were always better. They were better equipped anyway. And I thought the slaves were meant to, like, get released to them... ...and they were supposed to just, like, take kick their asses.
2: Well, one thing they don't really Maybe. explore
0: in this movie is, like, the different dynamics
2: of gladiators. Like, there was different types of gladiators. There was gladiators, as kind of this movie portrays, where they're, like, slaves or people... ...and they're, like, fighting for their lives. But then there was, like, the Noxii, which were uh, prisoners of war... Or uh, criminals And they were basically set up in rigged matches to die mm-hmm. uh, There was free people that became gladiators By choice But all of them were kind of pampered And like this, yeah. this movie kind of makes wants to be more gritty And like dark But gladiators were like r- epic racehorses So if you were a good gladiator You had like a sweet life People gave up freedom to become gladiators Because they would have a way better life as a gladiator Even if they would die And I find this movie is more interested in like the Oh this is real bad being a gladiator That
1: kind of like That kind of Um Readiness to embrace morbidity. I should just say morbidity is, uh, is that right? I don't know what you're talking about yet. Morbidity? <laughs> no, no, no. Mort- mortality. No, not mortality. I think it is morbidity, but that I'm getting confused with the scientific term. Anyways, that kind of like, um, ease with which they approach, approach death was something that kind of like rubbed me the wrong way about this. When you uh, say they, do you mean the filmmakers or the, the characters? The Roman civilization. Okay, that was something that was like, because earlier I was talking about how it's like, oh, it was like a civilization. It was like a society. You know, they were civilized, but then you see that death sports are a core part of their culture. Kids are there, just kind of watching it. It's just like they, you just grow up with it. It's like uh, the the kind of fundamental value of the human being is not really it's not really there. But that's the funny thing is that it seems like it's there in other. Areas of that culture, you know, they are a democracy. They they, well, they not, recognize not the...
0: really. They're a republic, right? And so it's actually only like wealthy land owner- owners, the elite could vote.
1: Right, right, right. The patricians. That's a. That's... And then only later were the plebeians, and that's where we get plebs. I didn't know
0: that. But that's uh, where we get the word Republican. The Republicans were the ones who were in right. favor of that. And it's actually just a holdover and in an American parlance. <laughs> we're like, we're Republicans. That means yeah. you you want only the elite to right, be able to right, vote right. As, appo- as opposed to the Democrats. I think, yeah.
1: We don't want to be governed by the common folk. They don't know anything. I th- think that, that that kind of dichotomy
2: that you're feeling is a little bit of the modern lens of which we view the Romans. Because we, we kind of uh glorify the Roman culture a little bit. We're like, mm. see how advanced they were? like. They were Aquedux, like baby. Yeah, they had they had plumbing. Like they yeah. weren't uh, as like homophobic back then. Like there's a lot of like positive, but we have to parse what they actually were through our lens, and so right. we kind of remove that. Like yeah, everyone dies. They have public executions. They had like invented cr- so many ways of public e-
0: execution. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's like when he says, "Give me a, a clean death, a soldier's death." That means in like that's as opposed to other forms of death that lower people received, like getting crucified.
1: Right, right. Just a slowly bleed out on the side of the road. That's what happened to Spartacus and his, uh, his slave revolution. That was something that I asked myself so many times in this movie. I'm like, why are they not just grabbing swords and revolting? He
0: grabs a sword, man. He grabs that blade. Wait, when? What? <laughs> when he? When he's <laughs> Literally grabs supposed it. to get executed and he, grab, oh, sure, he just sure, grabs sure. the gladiator. No, no it I mean, like, after
1: oh, the, the gladiators you. who have been, like, trained, they're hardcore killers. They're basically, like, a squad of assassins. And they're just, like, there's scenes where they're just sitting around with Proximo and, you know, some other people. Maybe there's some, like, a couple guards in the background, but, like... They, I'm like, they could totally overpower these guys right now. But then I looked it up and I was like, oh, this is interesting. There was a slave revolt. Spart, you know Spartacus. He led 120,000 slaves in revolt against the empire. And it it went on for years and they just like got completely decimated. And so maybe everyone who's like a gladiator or a slave now kind of knows, like, you don't do that. It's not going to go well.
2: Gladi- gladiator is Spartacus too. <laughs> And now
1: we're, we're. Do you guys know we're getting a
2: Gladiator two, no, dude? I saw that. Boo. It's been no, announced. It's been announced. What in, are
0: you talking in about? Twenty eighteen Gladiator two is a, it was announced, Boo. and there's a writer assigned to it. That, uh, Ridley Scott is supposed to be associated somehow, and it's supposed to be twenty five years after the events of this movie, so and involve Lucius? yes, Lucius, the son. Dang. I want to talk about Ridley Scott
2: now. I'm ready to talk about him. You're ready now. I'm ready. Okay, okay guys. I did the math. I have God mathematical proof that really Scott is a bad director. He's not a bad director. He's, he's obviously done so many kick-ass he's movies. obviously talented. He's done some shitty movies. Okay. So I kind of very quickly, non-scientifically, kind of ranked the movies that I've seen of these directors. And, like, someone like Denis Villeneuve has 85% great movies and 0% bad movies. Basically, I, I ranked it in six categories. Top two are great. Bottom two are what bad. What is
0: this test? I created my Spielberg, own testing
2: methodology. I put my no, favorite no, 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 directors no, no. You're in You're just it. not listening. Uh, Spielberg <laughs> Spielberg has 48% great movies. So that includes like Saving Private, Ryan Schindler's List, Jaws, The Indiana Jones, E.T. Hook, Jurassic Park, uh, and 7% bad movies, which is Indiana Jones 4 and AI. Scorsese has 33% great movies, 0% bad movies. And these are, like, Actually bad movies, and Tarantino is 63% great movies, 0% bad movies. But really Scott is 26% great movies, so that's Blade Runner, Alien, Gladiator, Martian, Thelman Louise, and 47% bad, actually what? bad movies, like Legend, Black Rain, G.I. Jane, Hannibal, A Goodyear, Exodus of Gods and Men, <sighs> Robin Hood and 1492. These are all trash movies.
1: I had no idea he did that many movies. He's, he's oh. one of those
2: directors that, like, if you see his name, like, either pro- produced is actually usually better. But if you see directed by Ridley Scott, it is no indication of quality.
1: Wait, how many of those bad movies are produced and not
0: directed? Those are, not directed. A bad those are all directed. Those are all directed. It's pretty bad. It's got six point eight. That's it's not. Wait, Hannibal with uh, fine. With okay, the, with that's the, fine. The, it's the, so the like sequel 43. to Sons of Lambs*, *Hannibal*.
1: Is, is Anthony, *Exodus what's of Gods name?
2: and Men*, Re- *Robin Hood*, like there's. <laughs> He has a high. The he has Dark a very Liberty low reboot. hit rate uh, yeah. for directors, and like part of that's just he's done so many movies. But I think there's like an indication of skill, and you can see it in this movie. That this movie is beautifully crafted. There's like a good score that is basically ripped off in Pirates of the Caribbean. It's insane. It is like that it's score. <laughs> wait, wait,
1: it's not ripped off. It was. Pr- it's the it was, same it was, composer. It was, it was a predecessor.
2: But no, no, no. Pirates of the Caribbean ripped this off. Yeah, there we go. But Cla- I, didn't, I didn't. I thought it was just a Hans Zimmer score, but Klaus Bedelt, who's the composer of Pirates of the Caribbean, also oh. wrote this
0: and got real lazy on Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Apparently, and I don't think I think on Pirates it fits better. Totally. This it score does. didn't really compel me. Well, but you know. maybe.
1: it But you never know. Maybe it fits better there because we know that as the pirates theme, and so when we hear it in the in the war scene, we're like, eh. No, I just didn't think it was a good like tonal match between what I was but hearing you and seeing. I mean, you can't know. Because you already have that in your head. It's fair. Yeah, the dun,
2: dun, 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 dun. dun. Yeah, if you've never heard that before. But, okay, so there's lots of technical indications in this movie that I think that he's like kind of not that good. There's lots of, there's a really high number of like shots where it's out of focus, where people are kind of going in and out. uh, And they're failing. And that's not directly on the director, but I think there's. Uh, it's like starting to be an awareness of like he's not that present with what they're filming like there's lots of like goofy errors like you can see the gas canisters in the uh, the chariots and stuff like that um, gas like lots of people spike the camera in this movie. I was shocked like the most ab- abhorrent By is you
0: mean they look in the they look right the like lens. the
2: kid when Joaquin <laughs> and his sister are like talking and the kid is just, like oh, really? going between them and he's like.
0: <laughs> I didn't it's see that. so funny And then there's a lot of like, We already
2: talked about it Bad action I think like None of the action Is super clear It's not very clear Where you're supposed To be looking at And there's lots of Like weird cuts Like there's one shot Where the Numidian character Is Juba New, Juba
1: Numidian
2: Numidian I'm sorry Jimon
1: everybody. Hinsu
2: where he is he's in the, the, the fight, and he runs, and he goes to knee someone. Oh, Hunsu, sorry. But there's like an extra split second on the before the cut. So it just looks like he runs up, stops, knees. And it's really poor editing. Uh, and there's like a lot of kind of like little decisions like that. There's like, there's such unnecessary voiceovers in this movie. When he first uh, escapes execution... And he goes, sets up his camp. And then the scene that we've seen like 10 minutes ago, they give us the voiceover from him and Marcus Aurelius's conversation. And he's like, I just want to go home. And I'm like, we don't yeah, need this at They just at replayed all. the
1: audio from that, like the dialogue from that scene. Yeah. I was like, what the heck? Yeah, that was a bit weird. Yeah, And then
2: I talked about all the unintentional funnies and then like the shot selection kind of being basic and the blocking being basic. And I find like the movie is better than his direction somehow. And I don't so, understand how that is. So I
1: think what my takeaway is from this whole uh, video essay that you've just made in this podcast is the fact that Ridley Scott maybe is just kind of hit or miss. Like maybe this, maybe this movie is good, not despite Ridley Scott, but just like it was one of his movies that turned out to be good because he it's he can definitely we definitely know he can make oh absolutely movies.
2: Blade Runner and Alien are unreal. Yeah. And I think maybe that's part of the skill that I'm not praising here is his ability to get the best out of the people working under him because he's obviously good at that he's good at getting production designers to give right. their best work mm-hmm.
0: those movies that you cited that you like from him are 20 years before this movie you're talking about like a whole lifetime so who knows what changes in that interim
1: yeah that's fair what did he what like what? alien
0: is like 79 yeah, later 82 is, yeah right after that are And this movie them? is in 2000 and most of his directed movies are in the 2000s it's like he was mostly a producer or something in the 80s and 90s although he did direct some movies but then in the 2000s it exploded and that's like yeah, where yeah. the lion share i think well, the only I
2: mean modern movie of his that's good is the martian i think that's pretty
1: good i yeah i like the martian but i read the book first which uh, was a mistake because then i was like this is not as good as the book um i feel like ridley scott like marcus aurelius should maybe you know, see when uh, see when the end is coming, and just kind of quit while he's ahead.
0: Did you see that uh, Michael Bay shot? It was after I think that same Gladiator scene that you're talking about, where he throws he throws the sword at the at the booth. Um, he's getting all this applause, and the camera like whips around like the 360, yeah. like kind of Michael Bay style. But it actually makes sense to use that shot. Like, right, Michael Bay it's all played out, or whatever. Even though he is a good filmmaker, but. Uh, for a it, certain type of film. That kind of shot is like a caricature now, but you see it used here like, oh, that's when that shot makes sense. Yeah. He's, right. he's surrounded by people. He's in a we,
1: circular thing. Yeah, we should whip <laughs> around and see all that,
0: and his reaction to we it. We have
1: to get the whole shot. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about, uh, to go back to historical a- accuracy real quick, Like, do you do you guys think that it's possible to write a good, historically accurate Story Because we just did Saving Private Ryan, which also is kind of like based on Nuggets of Truth, and this one is as well. A lot of these characters are real people. Marcus Aurelius, Commodus, Lucilla, uh, not Maximus. Maximus is kind of like a conglomerate of a bunch of different characters. But do you think it's possible? Like, Because yeah. I appreciate that this is a good movie... And while you're watching it, you don't really care so much about whether it's historically accurate or not. I got taken along in the ride. You know, I gave it 8 out of 10. It's a great movie.
0: I think it's possible, but uh, with some caveats, you might have to start the process by learning about an actual event mm. and being like, wow, this is so crazy, it should be a movie, rather than being like, oh, the I- gladiators are so kick-ass, let's make a real movie. <laughs> um, so your starting point matters, and I think also your history as a, like your education matters. If you are a historian or historically aware, then that's easier. Because just imagine how much research. Like if you go on like r slash ask historians and type in type in like gladiator movie and see the responses that people give right. about the level of detail and what is known about the Romans and how they lived. It's like it's a career's worth of yeah. information. Yeah, yeah. You know. So if you're just a casual writer and you're like, yeah, I think I'd like to dabble in Rome. It's just a lot to learn. Yeah,
1: it's hard. I mean, it's almost like don't even do this, just make a documentary, you know? Well, this one,
0: was, one thing people writers do is they'll write something like this with their own research to the best of their ability, and then when, once they're done their first or third draft, then they'll hire historians or, or experts to go over it and fix it up and give notes. Yeah, And then you can make some tweaks to just at least the big ones.
1: Well that's tough in this in, in in this kind of situation because Maximus is not a real historical character but he's like kind of inspired by a bunch of different like Commodus for example the emperor was strangled in his bathtub by Narcissus who was his personal trainer, basically and his,
0: a, his wrestler, in a whole different city too? And there's tons yeah. of things like Gracchus was dead 300 years before the the events <laughs> oh, of this movie. So why do they
1: even use?
0: <laughs> why? Yeah, why do they even yeah. use that
1: name? Just just do, do a different. Or senator. like they wouldn't
0: have been wearing that in that period, yeah. or he wouldn't have been a farmer soldier in right. that period. They were a professional army yeah. by that point. Like, this... communists
1: didn't kill Marcus Aurelius with the with the deadliest hug
0: ever known to man. Wait, I have a, <laughs> I honestly. <laughs> He's wh- like you won't you won't give me a hug? How about this? Ugh! I need to know about strangling and, and like, choking people out in movies because... He's old. You see this all the time. You see people, like, grab a pillow and put it over someone's face and hold it down until they don't move anymore. Yeah. But, like, doesn't that just make you pass out? You'd have to hold it for a while. You'd have... They have to pass out, and then you restrict their oxygen supply for, I think, like, six minutes by the time they get brain damage. Right. Like, no, movies never, would you have uh, to, like,
1: choke this guy forever? We don't have six minutes to wa- sit there watching somebody, uh pillow face in someone no you know it's like they okay they're dead but the funny thing is yeah it's true in movies like they'd go until they stop moving and then they move the pillow and, and i every time that happens i'm like if i was if i was the victim i would just go limp <laughs> yeah, totally. until For they put like the pillow in and just like try to hold my breath yeah you know
0: like we've seen mma like they're choking out each other on purpose until yeah. the guy goes limp and then a few minutes later he wakes up and he's like, oh okay yeah
1: i think in that scene It cuts away while he's still sort of doing it, so at least here they don't like make it seem as if it like took one second.
0: You know, he doesn't have the balls to break his little old man neck. Well, and also they also
1: they have like surgeons and stuff, and they'd be able to tell that his neck is broken. So this way they're like, oh, it's natural causes. There's no there's no damage.
0: Everybody knew though. I really like that scene actually. The scene is I think Maximus is there, Lucilla's there, and Commodus is just like, "Um, yeah, he just. He, he's dead and I'm the emperor now but he says it in so many words yeah. and it's kind of everyone kind of looks at each other like did he just proclaim himself the emperor Yeah, like is that what he implied there that's so well done I love when Commodus reaches out to
2: Maximus first who refused it but I want to talk about that after but his sister who like knows that he killed him? Because right. she goes up, slaps him twice, yeah, and then grabs his hand and kisses him, and like that's another moment of like five seconds of like so much is happening right now. And we're learning so much. That was so it very clear
0: to you that she knows he killed? Marcus. For or, sure, for the I, slap. I didn't know for sure if he, she was just angry that he proclaimed himself emperor or if she was angry because he did that and had killed her I think father. by the end, you know, because she says, like, he's a murderer. Yeah. He, I, I've lived in
2: fear since he killed my husband, since he killed my father.
1: I, I, in that moment, I wrote down, I'm like, wait, why did she slap him? And then I was like, How can oh, she it? slap? <laughs> <laughs> it must be because she knew that he killed him, yeah. which is, like, so... Why aren't you trying to get the hell out of there? Like, man, it was so irritating to me how people just kind of fall in. Quintus! I wanted uh, to talk about Quintus. Yeah, let's do it. So in the in the battle scene, it's like him and Quintus, they're talking back and forth. It's like, hey, we're buddies in the army, blah, blah, blah. And then Commodus, you know, takes the throne. And later Quintus comes to Maximus's tent. And it turns out he, that he's arresting him. And I'm like, what the, why, where'd this come from? I guess he came in with the Praetorian Guards who are like, the Praetorian Guards are like a separate kind of division of the military that is only kind of loyal to the Emperor and they kind of serve as bodyguards and like secret service type of thing. Um, and they come in and arrest him. And I'm like, wait, wait, where's the army? Are the Praetorian Guards like more powerful than the army?
2: Yeah. The, the thing that really bothered me, and it, I find this such a stupid movie trope that needs to stop, is when... The man with so much integrity cannot play the politics game even a little bit. It's so annoying when, like, okay, well, Commodus hands him his hand, and, and uh, Maximus looks at him. Oh, He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." No, and walks <laughs> by him with so much disrespect. And it's like, come on, man! You, can, you, you don't become the head of the army without playing a little bit of politics. He's a simple man, and I find that such a frustrating movie trope. Like, same with like Ned Stark in Game of Thrones, where it's just like, come on, man! Like you're not this stupid and if you are you wouldn't be in this position well,
1: mm. and I don't know I kind of like the like uh, maybe it's not realistic I haven't been in the army I haven't ascended <laughs> to the the role of general so I don't know like what's exactly involved but I I it, it kind of smacks of realism to me when there's like a soldier who has risen through the ranks purely through his Ability, you know, like Maximus has gotten up there because the soldiers respect him and because he's a badass fighter and he's smart in in terms of in terms of strategy with with the army anyways. But yeah, you're 100 percent right. In that moment, if he just Commodus is like, hey, join me. He's like, I'm loyal to Rome. Sounds good. I'll join you. And then works to overthrow him. It probably work a lot better but well, he's like a man of principle he's just like this you know these are the virtues i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tie myself to a snake you know i'm just, his this actions is not all, right his
0: actions also have to communicate to the audience though yeah for so, sure I I think it's a lot easier yeah, to be would, like hey audience i don't like that guy
1: it would be a lot worse of a movie if <laughs> what he, is he
0: gonna do otherwise he takes his hand and then he has to like glance at lucilla and like roll his eyes Well, or and that's the funny
1: thing that's the funny thing and that's the battle he doesn't know how to fight he doesn't know how to take his hand and then work with all the subterfuge and the politics and all that stuff. He knows I'm gonna say no to you right now, and then maybe I'll get my army guys and we'll come and kill you. I mean, being a, the general of the army is a pretty political position,
2: and like a, a previous general had to like groom him to be general. Like he's been rising in power, not just because he's a good fighter, not because he's just he's a good leader. But because he's played uh, this game of politics, I like I don't think so. I don't think you can be general an army. I mean, with I, just we, being we a can good agree soldier. to disagree on that. But sure. I don't, I don't know fair. if that's six hundred years
0: ago. I don't know. <laughs> six hundred years ago, <laughs> or two thousand years ago, whatever. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I, I, especially in, in it seems like Roman culture kind of had these like very distinct divisions. You know, it's like the army, the Senate, the Praetorian Guard, the the other people. I don't that's know. fair. You're right. I, the, I've never but, been
0: to. Ancient Rome. So, the best scene with those (laughs) two, maybe one day, the best scene that sets up those two is the first scene there together, where it's Marcus Aurelius and Maximus on the battlefield after the battle, obviously. And then Commodus shows up, and the rapport that Aurelius has with Maximus is so like it's just so experiential. Like, we've done shit together, we've gone. We're brothers. We have brotherhood, right? Right. And then Commodus shows up, and it's all formality. Mm. Hello, father. Yes, your highness. Like yeah. he, oh, he, does it. like all these like special handshakes, and you can see all the like <laughs> they all the have ha-
1: secret <laughs> handshakes.
0: <laughs> you know, it just all the all the uh, like what do you call that? Like pretense and yeah. etiquette yeah. is all there, There's... and you see kind of the dichotomy dichotomy between these two characters where. With Maximus it's all about what's earned and with Commodus it's all about what's inherited totally. yeah. and like entitlement.
1: I'll sacrifice a hundred bulls in your yeah. honor. It's Such like, a... Save the bulls. Yeah, an- yeah,
0: another formality. It's just yeah. like, dude, who cares?
1: And Maximus just says, the only words he says to him in that whole scene is just, highness, highness. Yeah. All he doesn't right. say like, hi. <laughs> I love,
2: I just love when he first arrives, like, did I miss the, the battle? Whoopsies. <laughs> yeah. And the dad's like, you missed the whole war, idiot. Idiot. You, you're so dumb. Love it. Of course yeah. you missed the
1: battle. You I, wanted to.
2: We've I've ripped into this movie pretty hard, but overall, its emotional impact is very strong. Totally. And like I'm totally with Russell Crowe. Like when he gets stabbed and he has to fight, like I feel it
0: so deeply. Yeah. about when he's crying at the feet of his charred family. Not even a little bit. You don't feel that? I laughed. And I don't what? think I laugh his performance is Whack I don't think so man It it would be except there's so much Saliva it can't be Melodramatic (laughs) if he's drooling and the Spit is sticking to the feet it's like If you're ugly crying I'm on your Side
1: I didn't get that at all but it might have been Because I looked down at my phone to make a note about how The charred bodies looked like like Uncle Owen and whatever from Star Wars I've
2: never laughed before but I found like There was something so off-putting about His like crying face and very personal, that's like just this rewatch, so like take that as you will. But I
1: laughed. I was like
2: really oh, off-put by it.
1: I, I loved, as I said, I loved, I would I would follow Russell Crowe into battle after watching this movie. You guys talked about how vengeance isn't necessarily the character's motivation. Oh, yeah, I said that. Yeah, what, what did you mean by that? I well, mean, I guess, may I guess? Please. Please. <laughs> In the beginning, his, his, his motivation is, you know, to be a virtuous soldier or whatever and then go home to, to his family and just, you know, harvest the crops and just relax. But uh, then he gets uh, betrayed. And then I guess you're talking about that in-between t- part where he doesn't he hasn't gotten to vengeance yet. He's just, like, mourning, right? He's just, like, shell-shocked by everything. And he's, he's fighting people and killing them just because there's nothing else to do. And then once he realizes there's... A possibility of vengeance am i right yeah he does he switches
0: to it eventually but the way i look at it was like first i asked myself why is it so important in this story that he declined marcus aurelius's offer of of okay it's important it's a detail here aurelius doesn't say you're gonna be the next emperor He says, I want you to become the protector of Rome after I die. I will empower you to one end alone to give power back to the people of Rome and end the corruption that has crippled it. He's basically going to hold in trust the power of the emperor while he establishes the republic. My synopsis wasn't exactly that. And that is a really important distinction um, because usually in a hero's journey, you kind of, um, the hero will be reluctant. Like Luke Skywalker is not going to go. And save the universe until he's forced to because Uncle Ben is killed. He has nothing.
1: Well, that actually, that's not exactly a good uh, example because Luke wants to go join the Rebellion. Okay.
0: Anyways, continue. Anyway, he's he's reluctant, right? So, and I was kind of like, well, why is that so important? And so lately I've been looking at characters through this lens where you consider them to have like three primary traits where each character has these three levers that you can pull as the storyteller. And... One of them is likability. The other is proactivity. Hmm. And then the third is competence. And so if a character is like maxed out on all of those, then they really have nowhere to go. Hmm. And so, and some characters are like this. They're called iconic characters, like Sherlock Holmes. You right. know, like he is super competent and, and likable, at least in the older versions of him. And the newer <laughs> ones, they make him less likable. Right. They make him like emotionally unintelligent, sociopath. right? Yeah. But like someone like Princess Leia, she kicks ass in all of these realms right, right off the bat. She's like a great leader and and super cool and and very proactive. She's she's the one trying to like right. stop the empire, um, and these characters don't have much of an arc, but they're cool to watch, so it doesn't really matter um, for a move like a normal movie. The main character should have some kind of arc. And with Maximus, we know right from the beginning that he's highly competent. That's kind of like his whole thing. Yeah. And he's also very likable. We see the other men like him and everything. So the only, only other lever left is proactivity. And so they dial that down. So mm. he says he's not very proactive. He's not going to take on this mantle of, of the emperor and uh, he's also even when he becomes a slave yeah. he's just like I don't want to fight he chucks his sword down and it's his proactivity that ramps up over the course of the movie and it takes a long time it takes until he someone spood feeds him it's um Lucilla who's like don't you see you can use this as a weapon to finally right to f-
1: that you know your that whole uh, analysis really kind of illuminated that for me because i did write down um in when he's uh when Lucilla comes and meets him in the cell and he's like I'm just a slave what can I do oh, it's it's pointless uh, just everything sucks leave me alone and I'm like what's what's your problem dude like you, you join up with her what reason do you have not to but I guess but well I don't know I'm that maybe is not a good thing then the it, it kind of peels the curtain back to show me that the scriptwriter maybe was just like oh you can't have all the levers up. This us just pull back the proactivity. Pro- yeah. Well,
0: the, in every arc, there's usually a part where it like, looks like there's no way that they could win. Right. And so... That happens. But he could...
1: That's, that's the funny thing. He could have won the whole time. Like, if he just was a bit more proactive. If he was like, all right, I'm going to get my memory. Then he'd be too badass going. and it wouldn't be interesting. Yeah, it's it'd true. be a bad movie. if He just
2: immediately took control. Yeah, I, I wrote that down. I'm like, what's his arc? And that really is illuminating where it's like, okay, that his arc is becoming proactive, but I find it still a little frustrating that he's not a different character at the beginning and at the end. Like If, if at the beginning he knew, like okay, if I don't immediately take control, things are going to go to shit, he would have done the same thing at the beginning and at the end. It's just kind of circumstance that's forced him to be proactive.
0: Another interesting parallel is his time in the army and his time as a slave have a similar constraint in that... In both cases, he just wants to go home and his way to finally be able to do that is to kill men. Hmm. It's like, if I kill all these guys, I can go home. If you win this battle, I can go home. If I kill enough people, I can be a free slave or a free man.
1: Yeah, I guess at some point... Because obviously, he doesn't get free. He he does go home in the sense that he goes to Elysium or whatever to be with his wife. And And Elysium
0: really looks like his farm, so (laughs) he he does (laughs) go home. home.
1: Yeah, but at what point... Because he talks about wanting to go home, and uh, his uh, Jimon Hunsu, uh, Juba is the guy's name in the, in the movie, he's like, well, when are you going to do that or whatever? He's like, not yet. He has something to accomplish.
0: Anytime Juba ever opens his mouth, he's saying, don't die yet. <laughs> don't die yet. Yeah. That's all he says. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I loved, uh, that was one of the things I re- also really loved about this movie
1: is his, like, squad He's got his like troop. Oh, his squad's mm. great, and they're like loyal to him. I like that the German
2: dude who like kind of comes off as the jock at the beginning, yeah, but then yeah. he dies in the battle, and I felt it when he yeah, gets like shot with the yeah. arrows. Oh. I was like, yeah, no. and they,
0: they've set up enough for you to feel it because they've got that scene where he like takes the poison form, or he tests the Maximus's food to check for poison, and yeah. then he pretends that it has poisoned yeah. him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's <was> funny. <laughs> and then he just laughs, and you're like, okay, that was enough to make you sad totally. later.
1: The um, the well, I, I want to call it a subplot, but like. So the main narrative thrust really is the need for revenge here, right? Like, uh, from his perspective, from Maximus' perspective, what he wants is revenge for what has been done to him. But then there's this other plot about bringing democracy, or more democracy, back to the Roman Empire, Roman Republic. But that was one of the things that was completely kind of just, like, shoehorned in that's not historically accurate at all. And do do you think the movie would have been worse if we didn't have that? Because, like, one of the things that bothered me about Maximus as a character is that he only really cared about the revenge. Lucilla was, like, trying to come to him and be like, hey, you know, the Senate, you know, this this is important, democracy. And he's just kind of like, eh, I want my revenge, though. And it seemed like that was, it seemed like the bringing democracy back was sort of tangential to his goal of revenge. It's, well...
0: His goal really should be to serve Marcus Aurelius, and that's what Marcus wanted him to do.
1: That's true. I think
0: by the end they kind of converge. They do; those two plots do twine intertwine. Yeah, which kind of nicely actually.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, it's I hard.
2: It. I I wrote. I'm like this amount of time spent on this political intrigue is way too much, but. It's also the only interesting intellectual ideas of the movie is right. what's the nature of power and kind of that examination. And so it's hard to remove it. And I think, like you said, they kind of become entwined at the end where his gladiator win is also a political win because he kills the emperor. The,
0: it ups the stakes and the scale totally. of the whole operation because otherwise you're just settling on the score. And then what some shitty other emperor comes yeah. in. There's right. no real totally. stakes. I, yeah. So
2: it's tough because I think it, it could be refined and shrunk down in a few ways. It's a three hour movie. It's a little long. And like... There's just some political stuff that feels so cheesy, where it's like, I don't know, this weird hopeful tone that kind of rings false in 2020. Where it's like, if the people stand together, we can accomplish anything. Yeah, and I'm like, especially knowing the real, happening. especially knowing the real history, that that's not what happened. <laughs> totally. And like, the, I think the Lucilla's final speech, where she's like, "Is Rome worth one good man dying?" I found that really cheesy. And like, the movie wins me over instantly when the the Plato looking motherfucker comes over and he's like, "Gracchus, sure." I don't care. I don't know their names. They're all just whatever. Plato looking guy. Uh, Plato looking dude. And he's like, who will carry him? And then everyone steps forward to carry yeah. him. I cry every time. I'm like, oh, oh that's just like dude. your Spider Man moment where they pick up Spider Man. Yeah. Oh, I, lo- I love people being carried. I just want to oh, be <laughs> crowd
1: surfed, I guess. <laughs> Please, someone crowd surf me when I die. Wait, how long was it for you guys? Where did you watch this? Two hours fifty from Plex. Two hours fifty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I watched the same. Because mine Version. was
1: 155 minutes on Netflix. I feel like I was I was watching some other th- stuff, and there were some scenes that I didn't recognize. And I'm like,
0: maybe we watched extended edition without realizing. Uh, there it. were two two scenes or shots that I didn't understand. I don't know if you guys can fill me in. There was a shot of like it happens when uh, Gracchus has just been arrested, and then Lucilla is doing something. So Commodus is like kind of privy to their plan. And there's like this shot of like these thug looking dudes standing beside. A statue in a crowd like looking around furtively and then there's a sh- and then it goes to inside the palace by lucilla and like there's a man laughing at a t- banquet table i think it's falco going like, ha, ha 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 and it looks like they're conspiring i'm like what is going on like what am i tr- supposed <laughs> yeah, to be cleaning from this
1: it's the extended edition so, yeah, full of completely unnecessary we, scenes we Maybe. both
2: did watch the extended edition and i'm gonna change my score based on how i remember watching it which was 8.5 Oh, so the Thank shorter you. version is better. Thank you. David. Don't watch oh, the extended cut. Oh, okay. Yeah, two hour 30, 30 minutes. Because, like, yeah, it's one. two hour thirty minutes. That's and I was way like, that's
1: nah, not that's not too bad. Yeah, three hours for, for a historical epic with like swords and sandals type of thing.
0: <laughs> Love it. Yeah, it takes a while to get anywhere in sandals, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I want. I did want to talk about. Uh, am I saying this? or Am I saying this to you? But I wanted to talk about whether or not you guys are convinced that Commodus would have this hand to hand duel. Like, he voluntarily fights Maximus. Sure, he, like, injures him, but then he Mm. still wants to step into the ring. I don't really believe that he would do that. It's just such a risk. I
1: feel... Oh, go ahead.
0: Well, the the real Commodus
2: actually fought in, like, 720 Gladiator fights. They Mm. were all rigged. And and according to his... Records, he won all of them. He won all the. <laughs> are those clean. the only records yeah. that survived? Yeah.
0: No, you know, there's mean, a character like that in Dune, actually. Really? Ah, look Wait, out for those that. Those are
1: the only records. That, so he
2: wrote that he rigged them. Yeah. Well, no, he didn't write that he rigged them, but oh. he wrote that he was a badass and won them all. But like, everyone, yeah, it
1: everyone, said like they're
2: dull swords and that.
1: They also said that they used to round up like uh, disabled people oh. for, uh, from the streets. Like if people were like missing legs and stuff, oh they would gosh. tie them together. And like in this like big heap, and he'd pretend it's a giant, and he would just wail at them and like kill them. In the no arena. wonder everyone that hated is him.
0: Supremely fucked up. Yeah, that's and he so also he also wrong. killed
1: he also killed a bunch of elephants. He killed a giraffe in the arena. Like he. Fu- <laughs> I hope he
0: okay. <laughs> He's just like
1: firing arrows at them. I guess I don't All know. All right, that's
0: despicable. But he would have gotten a pass had he decapitated the giraffe at the lowest <laughs> the lowest point in the neck. Yeah. Okay, but to go back to your question,
1: I feel like it made a little bit more sense. I feel like it makes sense that he would do it because I think the whole process of this, like finding out the Maximus is alive and trying to find out how to kill him without having the people revolting, I think it kind of like did a number on his head and he's like getting more insane and more crazy. Um, And I I
0: love that he himself is a slave
1: to the adoration of the people. Right, right. Someone even says you should kill him. And he's like, I can't. Yeah, yeah. Love it. He can't do it. Yeah. like and and I think that's exemplified by uh, when he's, he yells at Lucilla or whatever, and he's like, "Here's what's gonna here's what's gonna happen. Like, if you don't do what I say, Lucia's gonna die. So you better love me." Blah blah blah. That part was hardcore. And, then he, and then he's like, "Am I not merciful? Am I not merciful?" And so I'm like, "Okay, we see that he's going going insane. So I feel like maybe he's just like so hopped up on his own like insanity that he's like, ah, I could take him. And he's a good fighter. We've seen him be a good fighter. So he thought that you know if he mortally wounded him or whatever."
2: He's got the way better armor and stuff.
1: Right. I, I,
2: they, I don't know how I feel about the fact that uh, Commodus isn't willing to explore the option of just killing Maximus. Like, it's, it would have made a bad movie, but, like, it feels silly to me. The whole sequence when you think that they're going to have Maximus escape and he's going to go gather, gather the soldiers and mm. come back. But apparently the kid has overheard every conversation and knows the intricate details of the plan.
1: Yeah, wait, which kid?
2: Lucius. So, so you're he, saying
1: Lucius is the one who ruined the escape thing? Yeah. He, he, I was wondering about that because it shows him whispering and I'm like, Lucius doesn't, what?
2: Well, he he says one thing that's like, oh, I overheard them say this. And like that, that's believable that he overheard one thing, but then that they know the exact timing and place yeah. that they'll be. That felt a little hokey.
1: Felt a little weird. Um, well,
0: you could always just ask the guards. There's uh, The guards that are hanging out outside Maximus's <laughs> place, he's like yelling at Lucilla <laughs> And yeah. uh, they're like excuse me what? Like, <laughs> oh man. That's fair. It's it so
1: fair. sad though when uh Cicero the he goes to meet Cicero. Yeah. And he's on the horse and he's like Maximus. Maximus and then they're like oh he, oh, he, gets, that was he badass. gets jerked yeah. up and then Shot he's like the he's trying to like hold him up so he doesn't die from the hanging but then a bunch of arrows go into Sav. his chest and it's like <laughs> no. He's, hey, who's yeah, that actor? That's so good. Who's um, that guy? Jeffrey Flanagan, I think. You just knew that? Uh, he doesn't
0: have scars on his face all the time, does he?
1: He's on um sons of anarchy
0: he's got like joker style scars in wait one. wait
1: is it jeffrey flan tommy
0: flanagan sorry uh t flan does he have those
1: scars are they real yeah they're real those oh, are his scars he's That's from the world of the got last him of for us two movie
2: <laughs> no he's, a, he's an npc from the last of us two <laughs>
1: uh i'm is that a spoiler no the mo- it's spoiled now <laughs> the whole game is spoiled <laughs> show me no mouth there's a character with scars no
0: all right guys not to beat a dead draft or nothing I, <laughs> I think we're wrapped up here what a great movie yeah. oh yeah it's love great. it there's that one uh, extra in this movie that sounds like Watto from episode one by the way the guy who like gives the slaves to Proximo <laughs> Annie <laughs> <laughs> these slaves are so good these are top quality slaves hey eh? <laughs> mind tricks don't work on me actually it's looked not... it up only money actually looked it up when I was watching <laughs> it's, it's not, it. oh, <laughs> not... that would be so good
1: yeah, there's so many of these archetypes out there. The the coarse-voiced
0: slave trader. The pointy eyebrows.
1: Who, like, fly unnecessarily.
0: <laughs> because Why don't CG you just walk, exists. dude?
1: Toydarians, they don't make any sense. What Am do- I right, Star Wars guys?
0: <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what we're doing next week, but you can give us suggestions if you email us or tweet at us at Carpool Critics on Twitter or Carpalcritics.com podcast at gmail.com
1: we love when you tweet at us i live for tweets tweet,
0: and you, tweet us you know what i like when you give us movie recommendations it's fine but i like it more when you say something else about us to your friends whatever i don't know is that I, what you're saying i just like when they oh uh, yeah no I like when, when i get just like unrelated messages when you're just like
1: out in public maybe just like say something as you're walking down the street to the world in general maybe you know whoa know.
0: are you inciting them to uh, to send us like selfie videos that would be amazing <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> I want like fa- like Instagram stories, basically. Oh my gosh, of our fans walking down the street, being like, "I'm gonna see a moving tonight.
1: Prove, prove to us that you uh, go up to went up to some random stranger and said, "Hey, have you heard of Carpool Critics?" Oh my god, that'd be insane. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "Get out of my face!" You ever heard of COVID? <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Yeah, wear a mask. Yeah, though. if you're do- if you're gonna do that,
0: <laughs> someone will do
1: it. I know someone will do it. Psychos. But now I feel bad for inciting someone to do that.
2: I have an audience review.
1: Oh, right.
2: From uh, NateSF09. He says, five stars. They sound high on half speed. As a subscriber to LMG, listening to James and Riley have a sarcastic conversation about movies is like being in the studio while they film TechLinked. Between the jokes and laughs, it's very entertaining. But it's even funnier to hear them talk. Hear, hear James talk at half speed. It reminds me of Dude, Where's My Car? Mm-hmm. Another movie they should review. Hey, Riley. Wait, <laughs> when did that happen? Half speed. He just put us... Uh, he probably hit the point five speed oh, button by accident.
1: Oh, uh, sounds like we're drunk. Have you ever
2: seen the Jeff Goldblum at half speed? Drunk Mac commercial? No, but that you sounds
1: need, amazing. Everybody needs to go look <laughs> it up. It's so good. That Jeff Goldblum is like the perfect person yeah. for that.
0: I love your recommendations. Last time I watched that Shia LaBeouf oh. cannibal. Are oh yeah, cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, it's so funny. Hiding in the bushes, at Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> That's insane. That I never saw it before.
1: Anyway, hey, thanks for the review. What's his name? Nate Tesefonan. Nate. <laughs> Goodbye, That's the horses. End. Yes. <laughs> See you later. Wait, is that the end? <laughs> bye, bye. Love oh, you.
0: God.